Hello, I'm Zev Newworth, and welcome to Creating a New Healthcare, a podcast series for healthcare leaders who are interested in fresh perspectives, new ideas, and bold solutions on how to advance the creation of a customer-oriented, value-based, and humanistic system of health. The views I express on this podcast are solely my own and do not represent the views of any other person or organization. Folks, just last week, I launched a limited podcast series addressing how the COVID-19 pandemic is reframing healthcare in the U.S., You can find the 15-minute introductory episode I recorded and posted as episode number 82 on the Creating a New Healthcare podcast. In this limited series, I'm reaching out to interview future-facing healthcare leaders and entrepreneurs to ask two questions. First, how is the COVID-19 pandemic immediately changing the way you're delivering healthcare? And second, how will COVID-19 reframe healthcare for years to come? The situation is changing daily, so in order to share the remarkable insights from these interviews as quickly as possible, I'm going to be releasing a new episode every day or two this week and perhaps next week as well. And again, you can find all of these episodes under Creating a New Healthcare Podcast. These are unprecedented times, so I hope you find valuable information, guidance, and inspiration in listening to these experts and entrepreneurs share how they are adapting to this pandemic in real time and how they're thinking about and planning for the future. In this episode, we'll be speaking with Andrew Parker. Andrew Parker is the founder and CEO of PAPA. PAPA is a service which provides companionship and non-clinical support to seniors as well as families. But folks, this is such an amazing company that our guest originally created to alleviate social isolation and loneliness in the elderly through leveraging college-age students. Andrew actually started Papa to support his own grandfather, who he called Papa. In a relatively short period of time, Andrew and his colleagues have extended the service and expanded it nationwide to support health plans, employers, and health systems. Prior to Papa, Andrew was an early employee at MD Live, one of the nation's largest telehealth companies, where he ran health system sales and product to bring the solution to over 30 million Americans. It is just so exciting to be able to speak with Andrew. And so without further ado, let's drop into this interview. Andrew, hi, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Good, thanks. So let's jump in. And I just want to say I so enjoyed and benefited from our interview. And I just want to share with folks that I had the opportunity to interview you on February, well, we posted it on February 27th of this year, 2020. It was the number 80 interview on creating a new healthcare. And the title of that podcast with you was called A Prescription for Social Isolation with Andrew Parker, founder and CEO of PAPA. So Andrew, for those of us in the audience who have not heard that interview, could you just give a thumbnail sketch of what PAPA is? Sure. So PAPA is a platform that connects college students to companionship, assistance, and transportation. Uh, Historically, we've been a grandkid on demand, but have shifted our focus to support multiple age groups, uh, younger and older, to provide uh, what we now call family on demand. So we have a network of what we call PAPA pals that will take older adults to the doctor, help them around the house, teach them how to use a computer, uh, historically for in-home companionship and support. Great. And you were sharing with us in the interview a few weeks ago that it's not just seniors that are calling, but even folks or demographic like postpartum women who have just given birth. Yeah, correct. So Papa's primarily offering our service as a benefit through health plans, provider networks, and employers as a benefit. We have historically supported older adults, but about two months ago, uh, started to offer our services to other age groups, as you mentioned, you know, in a postpartum program to support mothers or families, you know, somewhat of a mother helper 
or father helper solutions. So really helping both uh, the family themselves as well as older adults, uh, sometimes at the same time. That's great. And your direct customers typically largely have been health plans that uh, purchase your services for their members? Correct. So we are offering our services as a benefit through health plans mostly today. Uh, Customers like Humana and Aetna, for example, that offer this a certain number of hours a month or a year for free to their members so that they get access to companionship and assistance. And what was striking about hearing you speak about this, in addition to just going on the website, which I would totally recommend people do, but just the feedback you're getting from your customers, your clients who are experiencing this. And I just, again, I I just remember so vividly, you share these stories and this feedback amongst your group on a regular basis, and they're almost tearjerkers. I mean, this is is really a life-changing intervention for a lot of folks. A hundred percent. I mean, if you think about our our typical customers, you know, older, isolated, lonely, and if you could just imagine someone in their home for you know days, weeks, or in some cases months by themselves with very little to no interaction, that you know could be a huge damper on someone's capacity to provide support to themselves and you know how they feel. Really, Papa has been able to connect people in a way that hasn't been done before, and really feels like an extension to the family. Hence, family on demand. And you know now we provide older adults and families with what we call true independence to support them in a way that they don't feel like they're being cared for, but still are being supported you know based on their needs and so here we are it is only a few short weeks after you and i spoke and and had that interview and we're in a completely different era and this is the reason i asked if you wouldn't mind speaking with me and with us again we're now in this covid 19 era we're seeing across the country obviously epicenters like seattle and new york where it's really beginning to take off in terms of the number of people that are infected with COVID-19, unfortunately, the numbers that are hospitalized, and very sadly, the significant percentage of people who are on ventilator support as a result of this. So we're in a really serious situation here. And the question I have for so many of us in healthcare, and for you in particular, is how has COVID-19, even in the past, it can't be more than you know four to six weeks that we've really been doing something about it here in the States. How has it changed how you're thinking about the services you're offering in healthcare? Yeah, sure. So obviously, it's interesting times. We're always thinking about first and foremost, our our members, uh, our Papa pals, you know, providing the service. And of course, our our full-time team members, the first thing we had to do as a company is go fully remote, which, you know, we were essentially set up for and structured around to begin with. So that was pretty smooth. And for us, we're you know, helping older adults as our primary business right now. And of course, those are the ones that are impacted most uh, seemingly from this you know, horrible crisis. And you know, for us, we have traditionally offered our services in-home where we're you know, going to provide companionship, assistance, and transportation. But because of this, you know, we're being thoughtful about you know, how to support everyone involved in our platform. And one of the big things we did was launch virtual companionship to provide assistance from a distance. So many of our members are now getting uh, companionship visits in the same way they did before, but rather than in person through our platform, you know, over the phone or video. And so we were able to turn that on pretty quickly and really ramp up the you know, time period of, you know, that product being launched. Obviously my background, I think if you recall from our previous discussion is in telehealth, which has exploded pretty dramatically uh, very quickly here, both from a consumer you know, acceptance perspective, as well as a regulatory perspective. And, you know, that's always been part of my strategy, but COVID-19, you know, forced that to happen now. And our members and our pals are being incredibly receptive. And we're glad we're able to still do things like 
have a phone call or a video consult, but afterwards, if that member does need groceries, we could actually drop off those groceries at their house. Um, it's maybe in a contactless fashion where you know, we're not actually touching or meeting the member, we're just leaving it at their front door. And this could also be things like medicine, uh, many of which we've started doing over the past seven days, actually. So Andrew, I know you're converting to, I love this phrasing, assistance from a distance. And so the pop-up house that we're going into the homes are now doing it virtually and providing a companionship. And, and uh, also, as you point out, they're dropping off things as well. But you know your background with MD Live and the way you set up your company, Papa, was already very technologically savvy. I mean, again, I was just blown away by the way your entire company works is based on a virtual platform. You know, when these Papa pals sign up, when they get interviewed, all of that is so so organized electronically and digitally already. Was it a big leap for you to transition from the in-person Papa pals to the virtual ones? No. So we have always planned for this. And to your point, our technology has always been essentially configurable in the format to allow for both in-person and virtual. So effectively, we just had to turn it on and make a couple tweaks and we were able to provide that service. So pretty much with this lack of a better term flip of a switch, we were able to transfer our visits in person, you know, to uh, virtual visits. And, you know, of course, we had to contact the members and explain this to them, but uh, the technology took care of a majority of that. Mm-hmm. And how is the response to the virtual visits compared to the just uh, incredibly positive response to the in-person? Yeah, so it's handled a little bit different. I mean, you're not going to be on the phone with a pop-up pal for three hours. These are shorter term, you know, up to 30 minute visits, typically speaking, where the pop-up pal is going to be more available to you two to three times a week versus once a week for two to three hours. But you're still getting much of a similar benefit. Um, you know, part of this is talking through them about current events and the activities going on in today's day and world, which wasn't relevant, you know, 60 days ago, uh, which is kind of wild. Uh, It's to help them around their house. It's to make them feel comfortable, but also be able to provide them assistance from a distance. So help them with grocery shopping, help them get their medicine, uh, make sure that they have updated information to their health plan and to their family. And it really just be there for, for support, um, you know, virtually. So, it's been a slight shift, but we were you know, both technologically and uh, structurally set up to support this. Mm-hmm. Clearly, this problem, as we discussed in the interview a few weeks back, this issue of social isolation is huge. And you pointed that out there. There's a large and growing literature in healthcare and medicine on prevalence of social isolation, which is probably over 50% in the senior population. And you pointed out to me, uh, again, that the only demographic that actually has a higher prevalence of social isolation than the elderly are college-age students, if I remember your lesson correctly. Yep, that's exactly right. So it was important before COVID-19. It seems to me that uh, because of the, the public health interventions of social distancing, which again, I don't even think any one of us had no clue what that even meant prior to a few weeks ago, the quarantining the lockdowns, um, they call it now shelter in place that uh, I know we just had that instituted in the county I live here in North Carolina. So, you know, the only times you can leave the home are to go shopping or for medication or things like that. So it, it seems to me the the need was there before and it was significant, but it just seems like the need is now skyrocketed. So it just if you have anything to say about that, the numbers, what you're hearing, things like that. Sure. I mean, I think What's happening with COVID-19 is, from my perspective, one of the biggest behavior-changing moments in 
definitely my life, um, and I think in a very long time, where people are now stuck in their home, not only older people, but really of all age groups, due to some of the you know, obvious things happening in the world. And this leads people to think about you know, leveraging technology and, and connections in new ways. So you're essentially being forced to think about this in a way that you never had to be forced before, which allows us to essentially be able to support older adults in ways that they weren't comfortable with before, like through a telephone, which a lot of them are comfortable with, but even more so like through a video interaction. So we just started to launch this. And I think Papa's going to really drive that effect and that change to actually encourage people uh, of these different age groups to use a virtual encounter where they would have definitely never done it before and then connect them to other services where you know things like telehealth is now accessible to most people for free. Papa could help to drive that interaction because we've essentially trained our members on how to use a technology that they would not have been using before. So I just think the behavior chain has been significant and you know these older adults and families and younger people still need help and maybe now so more than ever where loneliness has always been a big issue and then recently recognized as an epidemic and now I would say recognized as part of the bigger crisis here and Papa you know is here to support people during this time period. Mm-hmm. Is this issue of technology are you encountering that as a problem? I mean, what what percentage of the older population, you know, is uncomfortable with virtual technology? Or are you finding that that's a non-issue? And how are you overcoming it? Yes, like I discussed, I believe in our last discussion was mm-hmm. you know, we're not necessarily forcing members to use things that they're not comfortable with. So we're always empowering people in the way that they feel most comfortable. So if that is a telephone, or if you don't have a smartphone and you only have a landline, a virtual visit from a telephone is going to work just fine. Um, if you do have those devices, the Papa Pal will find out. The first visit is going to be a telephone call. And then we're essentially going to slowly encourage people to do video encounters because we do believe that will provide an experience that feels much more like companionship versus a telephone call. So I think it's more of an educational uh, and engagement concept than anything else. And we find uh, a mixed bag. So people may never get off of the standard telephone. People may never want to do virtual visits. People may only want to do in person. And you know, each person is going to be unique and both our platform and our process allows for the support for that. Yeah. You know, I saw a report, actually a graph just yesterday that they asked Medicare patients, you know, would you be very likely, likely, moderately likely or unlikely to do virtual visits with a physician and with your PCP? And over 50% said either very likely or likely, less than 20% said no way. And so it, it really is a curve that is now skewed towards change to what you said before, behavior change. And I wanted to ask you about that because that was an interesting comment right out of the gate from you in terms of saying in your lifetime, in our lifetime, it may be the greatest moment of behavior change. When you said that, what was the image in your mind? That's a great question. I mean, you know, it's really... People, you, people in general, not necessarily only older adults, using technology to access services in a way that they probably wouldn't have. I mean, you see some of these large gig economy companies, you know, today hiring hundreds of thousands of people, and it's not only to support the customers they've had this whole time. It's that every human being is now forced to be in their home and think about new ways to access the outside world. And obviously, technology is that primary method. And so, what happened in my mind was immediately was an older adult with a iPhone in hand, video chatting a Papa Pal, and then that Papa Pal providing support for them. But I think that goes beyond, you know, our company. And really, as you've seen overnight, almost the telehealth industry have a huge shift to not only most health plans and employers and anyone who has access to telehealth, providing it to their, you know, members, patients or employees for free, 
that didn't happen before because you know there was other methods and they weren't sure of it and it was still kind of growing but overnight that now has happened and regulatory changes happen overnight essentially as well to allow for you know, things like telehealth and you know, also virtual companionships would be possible. So I think there's just a whole shift uh, into the home, which was kind of on its way. But uh, I think to your earlier point, it's much sped up now. And you know, we're happy to be able to support people very fast in a way that allows for this behavior change to, to work positively. You know, I wonder if one of the side effects here is a more explicit open shared recognition of the importance of relationship right? hundred percent. I mean, I'm fortunate enough to be uh, here with my, my girlfriend and my dog. I could just imagine if I wasn't with them. I think most people are now feeling the loneliness epidemic that you know, probably many people have been feeling for a long time, but now it's really touching every single person. And if this continues to go on for weeks or months under those circumstances, I think this will start to impact other age groups and other people in different ways. And I think it's so important to remain socially engaged. I mean, us as a company alone, outside of our service, I actually, as you know, the founder of the company, thought it was a good idea to keep the company engaged. I have been launching um, daily yoga, high-intensity training you know, with modification and stretch classes to really ensure that my, my team, the PAPA employees, you know, we have 80 full-time people, are able to engage and you know, stay exercised and active. And I think us having that culture internally is having to be pushed out to our members and our pals as well. Hmm. That's great that you're doing that with your company. I want to maybe jump to a next question, which is there are clearly changes, as you're pointing out, that are happening now, and hopefully this won't continue. But if it does over the next few weeks, we'll see an escalation of need in terms of social isolation. Currently, we are focused as a nation, as a healthcare system, largely on addressing the immediate needs of the COVID-19 response, testing, local treatment, uh, immediate treatment, looking for vaccines, preparing for the surge that we're expecting of people who are sick and infected and need hospital beds. So a lot of immediate medically focused, clinically focused, hospital-based focused care. And I would term that sort of wave one. But what I'm worried about to a certain extent is that with the social distancing and the social isolation and shelter in place and the lockdowns, that yes, there's some immediate impact on loneliness and social isolation, issues around getting food. But if this were to continue for another few weeks, I suspect that that issue will escalate and potentially be what one might call a second wave effect or impact on on healthcare, where people are really starting to feel the impact of social isolation, depression, anxiety, lack of food, lack of being able to get around. And I'm just wondering, is that concept something you've thought about, heard about, read about? Because I haven't, and I'm sort of circulating that concept here. I'm just curious as to your perspective on it. Yeah, I think the biggest thing here is that, yes, this is kind of an immediate need to, that needs to be filled in supporting people. But I think generally speaking, three main themes will come out of this, which I think has been essentially in progress for a while now, but it's providing support and care in the home, which, you know, prior to social distancing, that was a theme that was coming out. It's telehealth, which now, you know, is of course available into the home to all age groups for different needs. And then there's supporting people's social, you know, support needs like companionship, you know, like support for food insecurity, like all these social determinants of health. And I think it just exacerbates a problem that already existed. Prior to this, statistics would state that 80% of healthcare outcomes 
are driven by social determinants of health. I wonder if that goes up even more so as you know people continue to get distanced and are not able to access services in the way that they're most comfortable. It definitely will require you know people in general to change their mindset. And part of that will be to be able to support those individuals through that time period with organizations like telehealth, which with organizations like you know companionship like Papa. It's going to be interesting. It's I don't have all the answers. I just think mm. the theme will continue to be in the home, providing social support and providing virtual care, you know, to clinical and uh, licensed providers, both behavioral and medical. So, I think all of it shifts to to the home, and I think people will take a while to get used to that. And I think that's why many of our health plan clients, as well as new hospitals and new health plan partners, are reaching out to us. Quite frankly, in uh, significant numbers because they're looking at ways to support people. And, and now they're saying, okay, maybe our social determinant health strategy that we were possibly thinking about doing is actually s- super important and we should continue and progress and implement a strategy like PAPA, you know, in the short term to support people today and into the future. So it sounds like some of the shifts you think that are going to last into the future are the shift to telehealth services, virtual, digital shifting care in general, not just uh, medical care, but healthcare overall into the home out of exam rooms and offices and hospitals and urgent cares and clinics. And I think what I hear you saying also is that mm, this focus on the social determinants of health and social isolation are going to continue into the future. Do you think these changes will last? Hopefully we're going to get through COVID-19. I'm sure we're going to get through it. In the post-COVID-19 era, you know, what kind of lasting impact do you think the changes will have? I think massive, but frankly, I just think it's speeding up the changes that I believe were were coming. Mm. You know, I think the biggest regulatory change that I've seen in the past two weeks was essentially allowing for telehealth at scale to be done and paid for and, you know, government at least being supportive of that in some capacities. So I think that's going to continue to change and regulations will open up faster than ever and people will stop questioning whether in the home is the right location. But I want to state that, you know, there'll still be obviously hospital systems and facilities and, you know, they'll just be using resources, both human capital uh, technology uh, more efficiently and optimizing things, you know, where, where necessary. So of course people still will need to go to facilities as needed, but I think it's just, optimization and efficiency will continue to flutter much after COVID-19 is figured out, which I'm, I'm confident will happen as well in some capacity. Uh, and then people will just start thinking about the world kind of in a completely different way. I mean, I would imagine that if you walk outside your house in 60 days from now, you're still, you know, even if everything is good, you're still going to be thinking a little bit more about washing your hands. You may be thinking about, you know, what you've touched with your hands that day or your face. Uh, you may be social distancing from people but you're still going to have that lasting impression in addition to now I have access through telehealth. Now I have a companion that I could connect to virtually and in person. I don't have to go grocery shopping if it's not safe for me. I have a support system that allows me to do so. And that's my health plan and my provider. So I think all of those things will continue. Mm. You made such great points here. The fact that one of the biggest impediments to the work that you're doing with Papa and Papa Pals, as well as virtual care and telehealth has been payment because it hasn't been paid for largely in the past. And now that that impediment has been removed, it's going to be very, very hard to reverse that, to put those restrictions back on and say, no, you can't pay for this in the future. It costs money again. Yeah, I don't think that's going to work. I think the camel's nose is under the tent. I don't think we can go back. And now that that's been relieved, I think it's, to your point, it's going to usher in a whole new era 
and you know just allow for the growth that was really suppressed before in terms of, of virtual care and telehealth visits and the work that you're doing. Couldn't agree more. It is so much fun to talk with you and listen to you. I, I love the way you think, and I love what you're doing with Papa. I talk to so many people about it because I just think it's such a needed service and offering as part of our system of health. I just want to give you the final word. Is there anything else you want to share? And particularly if there's a hopeful note you want to share with the audience. Yeah, more than I'm just optimistic. Obviously, this isn't a great thing that's happening and it's unfortunate, but you know, it's the cards we've been dealt. And so I think the positives that are coming out of it will ultimately outweigh the negatives in the long run. It's horrible that this has been causing so much negative impact on society and of course, on taking lives. And so I'm just proud of both my company and and what we've been able to provide, but also I think in general society, from my perspective, has pushed forward and uh, will continue to do so. So there's some hope for human beings out there after all. (laughs) Thank you, Andrew. Again, it's always just such a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much. Talk to you soon. Talk soon. So folks, that was the interview we recorded last week with Andrew Parker, the founder and CEO of PAPA. I hope you've benefited from this podcast episode. My goal is to provide you with useful information as well as encouragement and inspiration and to serve as a catalyst for reframing and transforming our healthcare system. And as I do each and every episode, I'd like to conclude by thanking all of you out there who are doing the hard work each and every day of taking care of patients or those of you who are supporting those who are taking care of patients. In these times especially, I and we truly, truly appreciate you for what you do and recognize how critically important your work is to individuals, families, communities, and our society at large. My friends and colleagues, please, please, please take care of yourself and please share this podcast series with your colleagues. This is Zev Neuwirth. You've been listening to a limited series on how COVID-19 is reframing healthcare in America, part of the Creating a New Healthcare podcast. Until next time, be safe and be well.